World View Update, bringing you closer to international or global news. 22 after 6 in China. Official figures show that the Consumer Price Index, or the cost of goods, has fallen by 0.3% in the last year. In other words, instead of inflation that most countries have, almost all of the time, as we have had, China is now entering a period of deflation. So the price of goods goes down rather than going up. The price of bread goes down rather than going up. This is huge economic consequences. In other countries in the past, and Japan is the classic example, when you have deflation, it means your economy slows dramatically, nobody spends any money, and what would happen to the Chinese economy will have a huge impact on us. Dr. Iraj Abedian is the Chief Executive of Pan-African Investment and Research Services. Dr. Abedian, good morning. Good morning to you, Slima, and to the listeners. We are so used to inflation and quite high inflation here. Why are prices in China going down? Why deflation rather than inflation? A very good question. I think uh, there are some structural issues as well as short-term and long-term. And let me quickly unpack them uh, to the best of my ability. Uh, prices go down essentially when the demand is less than supply. China has... Uh, provided, as we know, over the past 30 years, incredible amount of capacity to produce, not just for the Chinese market, but for the global market. So it's got fantastic demand capacity, but then, uh, sorry, supply capacity, but demand has fallen not only in China, but also globally. As you, as you mentioned, the rest of the globe is fighting inflation, raising interest rates, trying to contain demand, but China, uh, is suffering from it because suddenly it's massive part of its demand, which came from the global market, is is shrinking, and is shrinking by the intentions of the policymakers. Interest rates going up, any means of of containing inflation in the rest of the globe. So, so suddenly China finds itself that uh, it is facing shortage of demand from the global market in big time and in a very uncertain. Uh, or, or sort of timeline. We don't know when it will end. At, inside China, we have other problems. China's uh, sort of generational issues, meaning uh, an aging population, population declining, um, and overall demand in historic terms structurally is going down, down, down. And you noted much like Japan. Japan also faced the same problem. Its population was declining its uh, propensity to or willingness to to spend was declining. Its willingness of the population to save what was rising. So there is internal problem of that nature. And finally, much of the Chinese wealth over the past 30 years has been put into construction sector. And as you recall, two, three years ago, China had a massive construction crisis. And it still has, and that is coupled with the massive rise in debt of local authorities, not national, local authorities. All of them are over-indebted. All of them have got no capacity to intervene anymore because they put enormous amount of uh, investment into airport, road, building, etc., etc., and suddenly there's no demand for it. So you build roads, nobody uses them. You build airports, nobody flies there. Yeah. When, when prices go down, now it sounds like a good thing, but it's actually a very bad <laughs> thing, isn't it? 
Absolutely, because Stephen, if you and I know that next week or next month or next year, prices are going to be lower for, for example, for a vehicle, for a house, for anything that we need. Well, why should we spend now? Hang in there. Don't spend. And then we, the economy at a macro level uh, gets into a vicious circle. Um, there is what economists call it a fallacy of composition. In other words, what is good for you and I is very bad for the collective, for the national, for the macro economy. So if everybody says, well, don't spend now, just wait next month or next quarter. Well, demand will go further down. Prices will be more under pressure. And therefore, China is now found itself in a double bound. Internally, people thinking that way. Externally, people are going the other way. They want to contain demand. Therefore, they want to less import from um, China, for example. What does this mean for us? China, at one point, had a huge demand for what we produce, and particularly metal. Absolutely. It's bad news for us. It's bad news for Africa. It's also bad news for the global economy. China is the second largest economy. Um, of course, there is uh, another, as you would know better than me, geopolitical issue. China got its tug of war with the West about the use of technology, investment uh, not going to China. So there is a re- structural repositioning of, of manufacturing away from China into India, into Southeast Asia, into Latin America. And that's another contributor to the shortage or a slowdown of capital inflows into not in, in, into china which was the major source of high paid uh, uh, high paid jobs and therefore more income at a high level for the younger population so now we have another problem emerging and that is the rise of youth unemployment china for the first time has got a lot of its highly educated youth who were finding jobs in tech industries supported by imported capital from the west mostly in the United States, suddenly that tap is also closed. So there are those secondary factors that are contributing, emanating from the geopolitical factors exacerbated by the, the, the Ukrainian war. Dr. Raj Abidiam, thank you so much. Chief Executive of Pan-African Investment and Research Services.